The WNBA Draft Lottery is coming on Sunday. I know one particularly interested observer is Lynn Dunn, general manager of the Indiana Fever. She is here to talk about the college basketball season, the Indiana Fever season ahead, and much more. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, and I want to thank you for making us your first listen every morning. <laughs> We show up for you six days a week. Over 170,000 of you showed up for us in November alone. Just so grateful for all of you making women's basketball the priority the way we do. And of course, it is not just me, but the entire team over at The Next. At thenexthoops.com, we have over 100 reported pieces every month. It's why there were more than 1.2 million readers of The Next in November alone. Make sure you subscribe. $9 a month, $72 a year to support all of us doing this work to cover the game the way it deserves to be covered. And one of the rewards, I must say, for covering the game the way we do is we have the opportunity to talk to, to learn from, to hear from Lynn Dunn on a regular basis. Lynn is here talking about the upcoming Sunday WNBA draft lottery, the Indiana Fever, with a 44.2% chance of adding a top overall pick to a growing emerging talent base that includes Aaliyah Boston, Kelsey Mitchell, and so many others. Lynn, how are you going about ensuring this through whatever superstitious uh, means you have to do so, that this number one pick comes back to Indiana? Howard, that's a great question. You know, all I can say is we've worked awfully hard to have 44% of the balls, the ping pong balls. And so um, based on every analytical mathematical calculation that I've done, we've got a real good shot at possibly winning that first first pick. So, uh, you know, we're always going to be optimistic. We're always going to be expect the best. And having a back-to-back first pick has happened before, and it can happen again. It absolutely can. And I understand you're sending someone very special to Bristol, Connecticut, as your representative, uh, somebody who people may be aware of. Uh, can you tell us who that is and why you made the selection uh, of her to go to Bristol? Well, last year we sent a player, Kelsey Mitchell, and she was a winner. And so this year we decided to send uh, Aaliyah Boston, who is uh, the reigning rookie of the year, another winner. And uh, we think she'll represent us well. Um, And so uh, we're excited that she was available and could make the trip. Aaliyah has done plenty of winning, that's for sure, through the years. Be very interesting to see who Aaliyah gets to play with. So here's a segment where we're going to talk uh, a lot about some of those players. And then we'll just go bigger picture landscape in segment two, because it is a fascinating year in college basketball. But over and over and over again, people keep coming back to that number one overall projected pick being 
Caitlin Clark. And of course, there is a great deal of unknown as we talk about the season ahead. And Caitlin Clark, much like Paige Beckers, uh, much like Cameron Brent, they have options. They can stay. They can go. Uh, I just want to talk generally about what you've seen out of Caitlin Clark this year and how pro-ready she looks if she makes that decision to come out right away. Well, first of all, let's congratulate her. I think she got her 3,000th point last year, last year, last night, uh, versus Iowa State in a very hostile environment. Uh, I love the environment uh, that they have out there in Ames, Iowa. Got to give uh, Finley credit for what he's built out there. And so for her to accomplish that, uh, that significant goal, uh, in that environment is r- really exceptional. And so I think that sends the message. Uh, I think now that we've only had 15 uh, players ever in the history of our game uh, reach the 3,000 point, and this is just early in the season. So it remains to be seen um, how many points she'll score this year. Um, I, I, prolific score, scores in multiple ways. At, and I think um, we're seeing her – uh, play with a great deal of confidence. Um, you know, we wondered how the Iowa team would be without Monica Sanzano, and and now these other posts have stepped up and filled the role. And, and then her sidekicks, um, Marshall and, and and the other ones have, have improved. And so um, I, I think they're a, a legitimate legitimate challenger to get back to the final four. No doubt about it. Lisa Bluter's crew operating on an elite level. I would be remiss not to point out, we had Angie Holmes over at the next at the Cyhawk Classic, her report on Caitlin reaching that milestone. Had She had a chance to talk to Caitlin and to Lisa as well. Make sure you check it out at the nexthoops.com. Lynn, I know you get uh, our emails as well. So I'm delighted that that is in your inbox. Uh, I, I just think it's interesting to look at Caitlin, and to look at what she has done to refine her game. The physicality seems uh, improved as you go sort of from the start of her career up until now. Have you seen any things this year that jump out even beyond where she was at the end of last year's magical season where she led her team all the way to the championship game? I believe I've seen some growth in her strength, her overall physical strength. Um, she seems to be able to take uh, the physical contact. You know, she's constantly hit and bumped. Um, they can't set any screens for her without her getting jammed and, and pushed. And she seems to be handling that better. She's not hitting the floor as much. Um, and I also seem to see her uh, some growth with her poise and composure. Um, I know it's frustrating for for what she has to deal with, but she seems to be handling that a little bit better. Um, she continues to be exceptional in the in, in the pick and roll, the pick and pop, um, in the middle of the floor, on the side of the floor. Uh, I think the thing that 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 attracts all of us at the next level about her is that she's not a one dimensional three point shooter. Mm-hmm. She can get to the rim. Uh, she can draw and kick, and she normally has 10, 12 assists every game because she so she makes everybody else out on the floor better. She does a great job of knowing when she's being double teamed, when she's being trapped, when she's drawing two and three defenders, where the open man is. Um, so she sees the game exceptionally well, and that seems to have improved even more. Uh, but I know she's invested from everything I've heard invested countless hours in in her game. You know, she is a relentless worker. Uh, 
Um, and so it's paying off for. It, it is a remarkable thing. And, and again, this number can and perhaps will change as she gets into conference play. But we've seen her turnover percentage, which was already very low considering the amount of uh, passing she does, the fact that her assist percentage was in the mid-40s. Now it's in the upper 40s. And it's 40 mm -hmm. this one. But that has dropped to 11.1%. And it's easy to say, all right, look, well, you get into Big Ten play and things change. But that was not an easy a non-conference schedule they've played already. Virginia Tech is not an easy game to win. Kansas State, not an easy game to play. FGCU comes at you. Iowa State, as you mentioned, at Iowa State, she goes and performs that well. I, I, do you see her as making even fewer mistakes than she did last year? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something else I see that's improved. Her decision-making skills have improved. She doesn't risk the low-risk pass as much. You know what I'm saying? She's content to make the simple, easy pass uh, more, it seems, and and or not make the pass at all, you know, just say, hey, that's it's not there. So that's a, a growth in her decision-making. The general conventional wisdom seems to be that she is a step above. We've seen, obviously, some great things out of Cameron Brink earlier this year, Paige Beckers, and we'll talk about more of them in segment two. But do you think she has separated herself from that pack? That was very much a big three in the way people talked about them for quite some time. Well, I definitely think uh, Clark has separated herself as the elite guard in in this draft. Um, you know, Beckers is right close behind her, and 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 of course she's still coming back from from missing a season and being out uh, with, with some injuries. And then um, the, the point guard at at, at uh, Virginia Tech, Amore. I'm not sure I know how to pronounce her name correctly. To me, those three guards are have separated themselves from from the other guards. And, and then with the elite, uh, bigger players, you know, of course, Cameron Brink is right on everybody's uh, radar. Uh, and then Angel Reese was and will be as she gets back. And, and of course, we're, we're all curious about uh, Rakia Jackson, who has um, been out for several games and it's really hurting Tennessee because she's such a great athlete. And we all saw what she did in the USA game. You know, she got all of our attention in that. Wow. If you can play like that um, against the pro players, uh, you know, it's really going to help you at the next level. So th those are the players um, that have caught my attention. I think probably, probably the most. Yeah, no, it's really, it's an, interesting draft there's depth to it too i mean I, and and you have a second round pick we'll talk a little more about some of those players as well in segment two can't wait to get to it. we'll start with Paige uh, on that other side of it but first i want to talk to you guys at home about prize pitch and prize pitch is this really interesting daily fantasy sports platform the largest in north america and they have now with the NBA and the NFL season, something called combo projections, which I really like. It's an opportunity to go one NFL, one NBA player. So you could pick like LeBron James and Travis Kelsey in a specials league with a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions in a given night. Uh, we're, we're on the cusp of being perfect for my daughter, who is a Taylor Swift fan, if we can have like albums released plus receptions and she did have a Kelsey and Taylor Swift combo. We'll see. I prize picks does it all. So I imagine they'll get to that too. You can even play along some of their famous 
favorites, you know, whether it's rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz, you go to the community plays under the promos tab in order to give that a try. So how do you do it? Go to prizepicks.com. They're even offering a special bonus for you. The code locked on NBA will give you a first deposit match of, of up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA for that first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. So speaking of someone who fills up the stat sheet, it is Paige Beckers. And I think there's a really interesting counter argument to be made to the way people are talking about her right now. And I want to get your take on it. Paige is somebody who plays within herself. She's someone who's played in a system at UConn that hasn't required her to do quite as much as what Gino, and he said this, Gino Oriema, is going to ask of her going for, forward with AZ Fudd out for the season. Paradoxically, does that help provide greater insight into what she can do and help get her that much closer to being pro ready in the view of you and other WNBA talent evaluators? I think Paige is pro ready. You know, I don't think there's any question about that. I think uh, it's just unfortunate that she doesn't have the help that they thought she would have with AZ Fudd. Um, and, and I think what, what's happening now with Paige is she's playing the one and the two. Um, she's handling the ball a lot as, as the lead guard, even though Nikki Mull is, is very good. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're asking her to do a lot of things. And coming back from being out for, from, for a year of not playing, that, that's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of uh, uh, wear and tear on your body, you know, to have to, to carry the load. And I think she, they thought that she could share, share the load with AC. And uh, they're just going to have to adapt to that. You know, everybody has to deal with the injuries. It's, it's, it's what happens in our game. And uh, uh, I, I'll be real curious. Uh, well, I'm not, I just don't think Paige will come out. I think she, uh, now that AC's hurt and she's really hasn't had good full years of getting to play at Connecticut that, that she's going to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try this again. I want to stay here. I want to, I want to have a full real uh, year with with my teammates and um, but I think she could very easily be a top five draft pick um, and 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 really have an impact on a lot of the teams in the WNBA. It's so frustrating to see the way luck has not uh, shined down on her during her college career because as you said you know such a special talent when you look at somebody coming back from the injuries she has when you see those skills come back, I know there's sort of a patience, right? Where you say, all right, this is a first year back and you set your expectations accordingly. Does the reverse though mean that when you see it come back right away, there's an extra bit of confidence in it. And I say that specifically as it relates to a three point shot where to come back, to have the legs, to be shooting north of 45% from beyond the arc. Uh, does that kind of lock in for you and you say, all right, this is this still is a check mark. We know it's there and now we can move on in our evaluation. I just think it's a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about her body, her health, you, you know, the, 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 the pressure that goes with, am I going to get hurt again? You know, what, my teammates needing me here, needing me there. Uh, th there's a lot on her shoulders and, and, and I, I wish she had more help. Um, unfortunately, she doesn't. It's just the way it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's don't underestimate Paige Beckers. She is the real deal. It's been 
remarkable to see her come back and play as well as she had. And again, you mentioned Georgia Amor, and it is worth pointing out that she has taken a quantum leap forward in her ability to distribute the basketball. Had an assist percentage in the mid to upper 20s throughout her time at Virginia Tech. She is at 41-6 so far this year. Her decision to come back, especially as an undersized guard where you have, let's say, a little more to prove to WNBA talent evaluators, looks like a good one right now. You think it, even though it's a more stacked draft, that was a good decision for her to make? I think it was a very good decision for her to make. I think she's now considered one of the top three or four guards in this draft. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched her the other night, and I was very impressed with her ability in the middle of the floor with the pick and rescreen, the twist, whatever you want to call it, her ability to take her defender off the screen at the top and right to the rim. And then if you go under, she steps back and hits three. So she's improved her decision-making. She's improved her ball handling. Uh, she's improved her execution in the two-man game. And um, she's really helped her, uh, her draft uh, prospects. We talked about Angel Reese, and you mentioned Angel up at the top. You know, Angel's obviously had a different path than a lot of the top prospects that we talk about. You know, she's made that transfer from Maryland. When something like this comes up early in the year, what, what, do, you, what do you do as a talent evaluator to try to get to the bottom of like what happened and how you kind of bake it into the way you think about a prospect? I even just mean with Angel specifically, mm -hmm. just generally. Well, in general, with, with a draft prospect, you're, we're going to do our research not only about her skills, uh, but but her character, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna call everybody that she's worked with or played for, uh, all of all of the people that we're looking at. You know, if if you if you've transferred three times, we want to talk to all three of the coaches that you uh, that you that you played for, the assistant coaches. Uh, we really want to talk to the trainers that, that that worked with you. You know, about any uh, the way you behaved in the training room. You know, how you handled yourself if you had an injury. So it's, there's a lot of research that goes into every draft pick. I don't care how good they are. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Clark's great, but we're going to talk to Jan Jensen and we're going to talk to uh, Lisa Bluter and, and you know, if it's Bukers, we're going to talk to uh, Beckers. We're going to talk to Gino. We're going to talk to Chris and uh, we're going to get as much information as we can on er every player. Um, that's just, that's our job. No, it, it makes sense. I it's it's. In, I don't know that players always think about it with that in mind, which is hard. You know, th these are, these are real young people who are just making their way into the world. But everybody talks. It's a small world uh, in the basketball world, so it's it's very interesting to me. And, and Cameron Brain, who I know we talked about, uh, we're getting a little more into Cameron in segment three. But she's got uh, a young up and coming coach. Uh, Tara Vanderveer, I think her name is. I think she's starting to make her way in the world. When you talk to Tara, do you get uh, a sense of these Stanford players in a different way because she has just seen so much? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Tara Vanderveer fan. I'm a Stanford fan. You know, I always like coaching uh, players uh, or having players on our roster that played at Stanford because I know what a good job Tara does. You know, they're, she's, they're disciplined, they're, they're, you know, they know their stuff. Uh, two of her assistants sitting there on the bench, Kate Pay and Katie Settings, both played for me uh, in the ABL and in the WNBA in Seattle. So I know who's coaching these players. 
Um, so I'm not surprised at the growth of Cameron, Cameron Brink. Um, uh, the great thing to see is that she can stay in the game longer than three minutes without getting in foul trouble. Yeah. And so that's been a major growth for her because that was a, a problem last year. Um, she seems to be stronger. She seems to be more versatile, you know, a little bit more outside, inside, not always down there with the, her back to the basket. And she's putting the ball on the floor some. Yeah. So um, she's definitely – now I've got about eight people in the top five, don't I? <laughs> it's, it's that kind of draft, though, which is one of the most important <laughs> things about it. Yeah, I, I so I want to talk a little more, Brent. You you uh, jump my next question as we so often do, which I love. Um, so in segment three, talk a little more, Brent, a little more some other players as well, and get everybody ready for Sunday. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you about Jace Medical, our other sponsor here. And I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life, but we have to talk for just a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I, I can't imagine, and I don't have to imagine because it's happened, this helpless feeling of if my wife or one of my kids gets sick and then there's a supply chain issue that keeps them from getting life-saving medication they need. But we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and much more. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. All right. So I just want to go back to it because I think in terms of your team, in terms of your stack team, and again, I'm going to keep saying it, right? This is a clear playoff team next year. And depending on what happens over the next few months, I think we're talking about a massive jump into the upper echelon of the WNBA. But is there a version of events where Aaliyah and Liss and Cameron could play together? I know it's like a good problem for Christy Sides to have, but I just, is it possible? Is it doable? What do you think? Put on your, your basketball hat, uh, basketball strategy hat for a second for me. Is it possible? Anything's possible, Howard. Just, just about anything's possible. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's probable, mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's possible depending on, um, how the, the lottery goes, mm -hmm. uh, how it goes with who comes out and who doesn't come out, um, depending on certain situations, uh, and it was our turn to, to draft, it would be hard to pass, right. uh, on, on a Cameron Brink. Um, and, and then we, we would definitely be set for a long time. Uh, at the four and the five. Um, I think when you look at this team now, uh, we're more open to to bringing in another versatile, uh, multi-dimensional perimeter player. That would probably be our our first uh, option. Mm -hmm. um, but anything's possible. You could play Cameron Brink at the two because she's making 41% of her threes. And we well, could, I mean, or we could play her at the three, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, the, she's the she's 40 90 right now. Yeah. I, I mean, mean she's, 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 in, 
she's improved her game. She's she's much more versatile um, than she was in the past. And so that, that that's the thing about the pros. This is the thing about the NBA and the WNBA mm-hmm. uh, is uh, the, the the move towards positionalist basketball. The move towards everybody on the floor can hit a three. Everybody on the floor can put the ball on the floor. Everybody on the floor can post up. Uh, so it, it, it these skills. Uh, if you have them, make you extremely valuable. It is remarkable to see. I, I am fascinated by her decisions. I'm sure I know so many of those in your position are as well, and we'll have to see it. I just would be remiss not to point this out, which is that you have the 15th pick in this draft as well, right? I mean, it is a draft that offers depth of opportunity in ways that we haven't even necessarily seen the last couple of years. But I have to point out, would be remiss not to do so, that you have found contributors up and down your roster throughout the last few drafts. And you look at this team, the number of folks who are still on rookie contracts, it extends beyond Aaliyah, it extends beyond Melissa Smith, you know, Grace Berger, Lexi Hull, you know, these folks are doing a lot for you. Victoria Saxton is sitting there able to help you in the front court as well. At 15, do you feel like you have more options than even, let's say, you had at 10 uh, in past years? I think if it depends on if they all come out. You know, let's remember, let's remember, Howard, last year it was at the final hour when we found out that the entire starting five for South Carolina was coming into the draft. They could have all stayed, Uh, you know, so depending on who all comes out, um, if a lot stay in, then, then you know, that adversely affects the 15th pick. Uh, to be real honest with you, you know, we're, we're going to be aggressive in free agency. So we, we may use that 15th pick uh, in, in, in January uh, during free agency to pick up a free agent mm-hmm. or, or involved in a trade. Um, but I can tell you this, whatever our first pick is one, two or three, we're guaranteed one of those three. Um, so far I can tell you today, that's not being involved in a trade. You know, we're hoping that we're going to grab somebody really good, good, that's young, uh, that can, that can help us grow this team for the future. So to that end and, and kind of two to, to wrap up with that. And the first is that when we look at free agency and obviously there were a number of extensions late in the regular season that changed the pool. And in terms of this team and a lead guard, do you feel as if, and with the unknown that we don't know who's coming out, but do you feel as if the draft is a better place to find that kind of lead guard uh, to pair with Aaliyah Boston? I think if if all of the players come out, that's a great place to find a multidimensional perimeter player um, that that could really help us. Um, I'm curious about who we're going to have on either side of Kelsey Mitchell. You know, we have Kelsey Mitchell penciled in at the two. Who's the starting one? Who's the starting three? And how do we get better on the perimeter? And then then those three, whoever they are, are playing with two of the best young posts in the league, and Alyssa Smith, who is making great strides overseas in Turkey, and Aaliyah Boston. Um, but but we have to get better from the draft, mm-hmm. and we have to get better in free agency. And, and last year we picked up uh, Erica Wheeler and Christy Wallace, who both had impacts on, on improving our team. I've, I've got people calling me already 
wanting to know if I'm interested in trading Christy Wallace. And the answer is, hell no, I'm not interested in trading Christy Wallace. You know, she had a very positive impact on our team. So we'd like to get another free agent or two that does the same thing. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, I'm, I'm sure she's pleased to hear that as well. So I know she's very happy there. The, the final part of this is just bigger picture. You've talked about from day one that this is a three-year plan. We're heading into essentially that third year. From my view, from this perspective, you guys are on track or ahead of schedule. Do you feel that way? How do you feel you are positioned going into 2024? To be honest, uh, Howard, I hope this is our last lottery draft party then I would know we're, we're where we're supposed to be, you know, that we're in the playoffs, we're back in the hunt. Uh, we've climbed from the very bottom of the standings to the top eight. Uh, and now we're in a, in a position to, to climb even further. And so that's where we're headed. We hope in this next, uh, in this 24 season, um, I, I think we're on track to do the things that we want to do. Like you said, maybe just a little bit ahead, uh, because we got so much out of uh, Aaliyah Boston uh, and we saw a lot of growth with with Kelsey Mitchell and with Alyssa Smith. And so um, uh, I think we're in a good spot right now. No question about it in my mind. Fascinated to see it, Lynn. I wish you luck on Sunday to our listeners. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Of course, we will be back with more WNBA draft prospecting tomorrow on our Saturday show. And then, of course, we will have immediate reaction over at thenexthoops.com. We'll have reporters at all the draft parties. You heard it here, possibly the last one for a while from Indiana. That's <laughs> how I see it as well. <laughs> Until then, of course, I am host Howard Meddahl. I want to wish all of you a wonderful weekend of basketball ahead. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. 